Welcome back to the Nuggets of Gold podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, it's been like probably around a month since we've recorded. Really not much going on in the NFL. This is kind of the only dead like six weeks of the entire year for the NFL. Um, so we didn't really have much to talk about. I uh, just decided to take a break. Uh, been going on vacation. I've been moving. So it just made sense to kind of wait up. But today we're going to kind of talk about something that happened about a week or two ago. Uh, Kyle Shanahan went on Sean McVay and Peter Schreker's podcast, and we just want to talk about some of the, the takeaways, uh, in our opinions, of that uh, podcast. And I'll also include the podcast below. It's about an hour and a half long if you want to listen to that as well. But I thought it was really insightful just to kind of hear Kyle talk about uh, a couple things, talked about the Super Bowl, talked about growing up with Mike Shanahan as his dad and also working for Mike. And then he talked about working with Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, uh, had some funny stories there. And just kind of talked about his overall just process of the game and and just kind of and then he and then ended up wrapping it up with like what it takes to be an NFL coach and some stuff like that. But I thought it was really cool. Um, but Aiden, you you want to just kind of start it off and talk about your favorite uh, parts of that that podcast? Yeah, like like you mentioned, there was a ton of um, super insightful, I guess, moments. Um, we we talked a little bit before about uh, the the funny lamination that McVeigh wasn't able to pull off. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, uh, but the the biggest takeaway for me, and a lot of this was reported on by different people, the biggest takeaway for me was what Shanahan looks for in his quarterbacks. He 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 mentioned it pretty quickly and they and they talked about the Mac Jones smoke. Um he he said he thought it was interesting that everybody thought that he wanted a a a Kirk Cousins because Kirk is who he wanted when he originally got there but he was like i don't really need to pigeonhole myself into one guy and he and he talked about how if you don't have like you you need something that makes you special and he, he didn't talk about lance specifically but he but he did talk about the impact of being able to use your legs um and that's something that i think wasn't really talked about but that's going to be huge if and when lance takes over this year yeah, well, and the thing about that is he's not going to get himself in a spot like where he has, like you said, like he gets pigeonholed and he has to take a, a Kirk-like guy, so that would be Mac Jones. And it was also funny that Sean McVay thought he was going to take Kyle Pitts. Um, I thought that was hilarious. Um, and, and Kyle was like, really? <laughs> um, when he brought it up. But it, it is fascinating to see what Kyle wants to do with Lance and like you said, he didn't really get into that. Of, of course, he's not going to give that away on a podcast. I'm, I'm sure he has a, a really unique plan for what he wants to do with him. But his is almost, he kind of talked about it as almost like a case-by-case case ba- like basis. Like that's how he's going to view the guys. Okay, this might, guy might be good for this. Oh, I can do this with this guy. And so when he starts talking about that, you think about, all right, he has a clear plan with Lance of how he wants to utilize him. And that to me is the ex- exciting part of that conversation is, and we talked about it before. With Trey Lance, the 49ers, and also then there's another team in the NFL, but them and one other team could go on a stretch where they are like two of the greatest running teams in the NFL and, and in NFL history. Uh, the other team, of course, is the Baltimore Ravens. But there's a chance that we might see some, you know, 800-yard, 1,000-yard rushing seasons by Trey Lance. Um, his ability is incredibly unique. And if he's able to translate that into the NFL like he did, and yes, he's not playing against great competition, um, but it also looked 
pretty much easy for him <laughs> against that competition. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he kind of adapts when he gets into the league. But his physical physical running style is absurd, uh, and it's going to be really cool to see like what they want to do with him because it, he does have a unique skill set and he does have something that most guys don't, and that is his ability to just go hit the hole really fast and also run guys over from a quarterback position. Um, and I, I think they're going to be careful with them. Uh, you don't want it to end up like a Cam Newton situation where I don't know how I want to say Cam's like 31, 32 now. Um, and his shoulder's been kind of done for a while. So you don't want to see it end up like something like that. But I'm sure they're going to find ways to incorporate Trey Lance into this rushing attack. And even if it's not that often, even if Trey Lance doesn't rush for those kind of numbers, the defense is going to always have to be honest and watch out for that. So I think they're going to incorporate a lot of really, really cool running like facets into this game. Um, and you're going to see guys like Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon potentially dominate in a couple of years here when, when he takes, when he takes over under center, which we don't know if that's this year, next year. Uh, so it's going to be cool, but I, I, I am very intrigued about that. Um, another part of this conversation that I really thought was cool was the hiring process. And basically Kyle said that he wasn't really interested in the 49ers job. Um, and if you look at wh where the 49ers were, when that interview interview process took place, it makes a lot of sense. Um, they, they were an ugly roster. I, they were bottom two in both offense and defense coming off of a Chip Kelly offense that was pretty bad. And then, you know, they had the hardball stuff and they also had Jimmy Tom Sula right before that. So like they had that, that three year of, Oh, we're going to fire a guy every year. And he did not like that. He hated this ability. Basically went into a meeting room with Jed Parag, uh, a couple other people, and they just figured it out. So that was really cool to see. But what were your thoughts about that conversation during that podcast part? Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. He made a point that we had talked about earlier when talking about the GMs. Um, it's one of the hardest things to do in the NFL to get fired and then rehired. Um, and we talked about it with Martin Mayhew, who who was able to pull it off, got got the Niners an extra third round pick, which was super nice. Um, but Kyle said he 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 didn't want to just be a NFL head coach. He wanted to stay an NFL head coach. And he 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 had mentioned that he was fine waiting for the right job. Um, and the 49ers ended up being that that job once he talked to Jed and Parag. Um, but I think that was a really interesting point and something that people don't don't really consider. Like there's there's all this talk about Bienemy and why he's not getting the interviews. And it could even just be that Bienemy isn't all that interested in in the jobs that that come open. Um and obviously there's some different factors at at play there, whether it be race or whether Andy Reid's calling the plays. Um, but I think it's just important for fans to consider that coaches may not necessarily want to leave for what's seen as maybe a better job or maybe some sort of promotion. Cause like, I don't think you would want to be like the lion's head head coach right now. They just hired Dan Campbell, who was an offensive line coach. Um, and he has his work cut out for him. That, that roster is not good. The Texans roster, not good. It's going to be tough to turn those, those teams around. And once you fail and you're Hugh Jackson, Good luck getting another head head coaching job. Um, and I think that Kyle made a really good point when he when he talked about that. It, it is interesting to hear that because, I mean, right now, like when we think about the 49ers, we think of, of a very stable organization. And if you go like five years ago, it was 
quite the opposite. So it, it's interesting how just bringing in a head coach and having that same plan too of, Hey, we want to keep you here. And, and that, that might be a part of, you know, why they had a six year deal that might've been. And, and he didn't really talk about the six year deal stuff that much in that conversation, but that could be something he was like, look, I understand what you guys are saying, but if you guys mean it, I, I want a long-term deal. Cause that's my concern here is, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a one-year coach, not have even have an opportunity to rebuild it and then get fired and then never have a coaching job again. Um, and, and then if that happens, this is the other problem. If you have a one, if you're a one-time head coach and then you do end up getting a second job, that second one becomes so much more, more important. You brought up Hugh Jackson and he had like, you know, the very bad record, uh, the winless season. Um, what about Adam Gase? I don't know if you know about this, Aiden, but Adam Gase right now is an offensive coordinator in high school. Is he and, right? Yes. Couldn't even get a about, coaching job? You're talking, yes. You didn't even get a college coordinating job. <laughs> Not even a head coach high school job. He's a coordinator in high school. Nick so, Saban didn't take him? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, you can really fall off a cliff, is, is my point. I mean, when he was on the Dolphins, when Jay Ajay was doing great, he was viewed as like, oh, he's an up-and-coming coach. Kind of stuff kind of falls apart with with Miami, goes to New York, looks terrible, done. Like it can fall off so quick. So it is cool to see like that. That was a big deal for Kyle. Um, also, really funny just conversation about it because he basically like slept in, almost missed the interview, um, and then he went back and talked to his wife and was like, "Hey, actually, I actually think the uh, the 49ers job is my favorite." She was like, "Where did this come from? I don't understand." Um, and then after that, I think the the next cool part of this this podcast was that they were talking and this was Sean McVay and Kyle. They kind of both gave their insights to this, but they were talking about the, the Super Bowl losses um, and, and more specifically the, the, Fal- the Falcons loss. Um, Kyle did allude that the game, the second half against the chiefs was not called the way that he liked that. Uh, wasn't, wasn't whining or complaining about it, but definitely voiced his concerns that he didn't feel like that was correctly called. Um, and he, he dropped a couple of funny little things like, Oh yeah, you know, in that Falcons game, we got this holding call. Wouldn't have been a holding call in the other Super Bowl, but, you know, um, and just kind of talked a little bit about the consistency of, of the refing in the NFL. Um, but they started talking about it. Um, they even brought up the the infamous Seahawks play where Malcolm Butler gets the interception and said, like, hey, when you're looking at what's a, a successful play, a rub route right there, like, that's a good play. And they were talking about it, and it was just interesting how – these narr and and what they were talking about is how narratives get made on oh you made this mistake, but in a lot of cases and Kyle still feels this way and McVeigh felt this way as well, that aggressiveness that he had in both those Super Bowls, he thought it was it was the right way to go about it because and he went back to the the Falcon Super Bowl a lot more because that's obviously the more heavily criticized one, um, going up twenty eight to three and all, and basically what he said was we were in a point in the second half where we were in a second and 10 situation and it was in the fourth quarter. We had already been in a second and 10 situation. We had ran the ball before we didn't do anything this time. I wanted to get the ball to Julio because he had just had that, like that really big catch and they got sacked and then they ended up getting a couple yards to get in the field goal range. And then they got a hold. And he was saying like the process was still correct. Maybe I shouldn't call that Julio play, but even on the third down, we got enough yards to get in the field goal range to where we wanted. And it didn't happen. And he basically said, like, he tried to go for, like, that kill play. Like, oh, we're going to end it. Like, we're going to end it right here. And he messed up. And so it was just interesting to talk about the processes of it and how 
even if you're super criticized, like you got to go and do what you believe is the best way to win. And that's not going to change. Not like he's not going to adapt, but you still have to go about it in the right mindset. Not of like, Oh God, can't do this. Cause then this will happen. Got to make sure to run the ball. Cause if, cause at least people understand that we're trying to run the clock out. Like, no, he's trying to go out there and he's going to call whatever play he feels is, you know, the best way to win. Um, and in, in both the Super Bowl cases, it, you know, hasn't worked out, but, still got to go through the correct process. So what were your thoughts on him kind of addressing that? I think that he said it better than any, anybody else could you it's, it's his fundamental approach to play, to win, not to play, not to lose. Um, and I think in every game that, that Kyle coaches, he, he plays to win. Um, he's aggressive and whether the quarterback limits that or, or not, um, Kyle will not shy away and try to run the ball out for the clock and try to punt. Kyle is aggressive. And most of the time it hasn't worked in, in, in the two Super Bowl losses, but most of the time it ends up really, really working out and being a, a huge benefit. Um, so I think that that's something that makes him a great play caller rather than something that can be criticized just because it didn't work out a couple of times. It's kind of just bad luck. That's how I feel as well. And you also look at like keeping that aggressiveness. Um, and I, we brought Trey Lance a little earlier, but maybe that's a guy they feel like, Hey, when we get Trey Lance, we can be a lot more aggressive. And that might be, we might just try to run the ball down people's throats. You know, we might do this. We might call some like odd play calls on third and eight. Um, but him being aggressive, I mean, you can be aggressive in so many different ways in, in terms of the NFL um, on offense and defense. And so, having the right personnel, like, and, and the other thing is like, there are also missed opportunities in both those games that were not Kyle's fault. You know, like there are missed opportunities where even if the plays don't work out, there's a reason that the plays don't work out and that might not be on Kyle. So I, I do love the aggressiveness. I think that I've always attributed that, that to a lot of his success um, in the NFL and you know, why his, why his offenses are always so great. Um, so I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this podcast though. Uh, anything else you wanted to add though? Cause I, I feel like those were like the main points that I really took away and the stuff I, I like to hear about, but anything else that you wanted to, to bring up? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I took from it. And, and we talked about it a little bit at the beginning is that I don't think it's Trey versus Jimmy in a quarterback battle because they're able to do two completely different things. Um, I think it's Trey versus when Kyle thinks he's ready. Um, and a lot of people are going to try to compare Trey and, and, and Jimmy in terms of um, how many passes they complete. But I think the versatility that Trey adds is worth more to Kyle than it, than I would have otherwise thought. Um, and it's less of a Trey versus Jimmy quarterback battle and more of a Trey versus time. We, we talk about the Tom versus time. It's a little bit of a different time, um, but it's, it's, it's more when it's it's time for Trey to be ready, um, and I, that was that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, and that kind of I guess that's a great way to wrap it up because one of the things that I wanted to dis- discuss today because we're we're hopping back on the pod, we're going to be recording a lot more, um, hopefully posting almost daily content. But one of the the main storyline that I'm going to try to cover is just a Trey Lance report, and I'm I'm going to do it through like quicker videos, just kind of explaining, okay, this is how we look today in practice and going over each of his practice days. But that's something that by far is the biggest storyline for the 49ers this off season. And really throughout the season as well. Um, if he's not starting in games, guess what? There's still a ton to take away in practice because you're going to get the Trey Lance reports. Oh, he did this in practice today. Oh, he looks so good. 
it's time for him to take over Jimmy Garoppolo's spot. We're, like, we're going to see those headlines. We're going to see, oh, Trey looked terrible. He's not even ready. He's not going to start for two years. Like, you're going to see a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, I'm going to try to do my best job of covering that to kind of see where where it's at because I think that is the most fascinating part of, of the 49er season. And honestly, it's one of the biggest storylines in the NFL for this whole year. Um, and maybe it, he doesn't even impact this NFL season, but it's still a crazy storyline to follow because once he's Kyle's guy, this is, I would say this is Kyle's like first true, like I'm grooming him, you know, top to bottom. Like this is my guy. Um, and so it's always cool if you get a, a quarterback like that for an, an elite offensive play caller. The last guy we had like that was, was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so there's going to be some guys like that. Uh, Sean, Sean Payton, we saw him, you know, turn around with Drew Brees, but he didn't even start with Drew Brees and he's going to try to do the same thing with Winston. So I mean, a lot of a lot of offensive play callers don't really get their don't get that many chances to hand select a quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers were lucky enough to be able to trade up to three and take a guy with immense talent in Trey Lance. So really going to cover that a lot. And Aiden, I think you are spot on. It's not a Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. It is Trey Lance versus Time because he is very clearly the future of this team. Um, and maybe that's not this year, but I think it's going to be pretty soon that we're going to see him all out in the field. And maybe it is this year. If that's the case, that's going to be really exciting because it's it's going to be when they think he's ready. I don't think it's going to be dependent on Jimmy Garoppolo unless he's injured, of course. But I I'm really looking forward to to this, you know, just f- tracking this story all all season long. But I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, we're excited to be back, and we're going to start getting a lot more content out as training camp starts up, and then you know preseason, and then pretty soon the regular season as well. So really excited to be back.